Good morning, everyone. Good morning. My name is Thomas. For those of you that don't know me, it's wonderful to meet you. And this is the part of the service that we're going to open up the Bible together. And uh, yeah, we're continuing our series called The Fight to Be Salt and Light. You're going to have to bear with me. I'm going to have a bit of an honest moment. I haven't been too well this week. And this has been a bit of a journey to get to this point. So uh, faithfully, I'm bringing this word and I hope that the Lord speaks to us through it. So uh, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 18 and we're going to be, the heart of this series, the fight to be salt and light, is Jesus commands us to be the salt of the world, the light of the world, to be living with something of a flavor that's recognizable to people when we step outside these four walls, when we live in our day-to-day. I forgot about the big jam. There's a big jam after the service today. If you uh, play a musical instrument, if you've got a musical instrument hiding in your attic uh, that might be here and you think, oh, I could give a shot of that. If you love to worship, if you love to sing, straight after the service, I believe there's some sandwiches maybe available if you've not brought a packed lunch from what time? One till half two? Yeah, right here in this space. So please uh, hang around for that afterwards. Emma literally told me with two seconds left and I still forgot. (laughs) Never mind. Dear, dear, dear. Right, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 18. It's not on the screen this morning, I'm afraid, so you have to trust, trust your Bible. There we go. And uh, Ruth has got Bibles there. If you don't have a Bible with you, uh, get your hand up and Ruth will send uh, a Bible your way. And if you don't have one at home, we'd love you to have a Bible at home as well. So Luke chapter 18, and I'm going to pray before we read. Lord, we need you. In every part of our lives, we need you. And we just declare that as we enter into your word, your living word, that uh, something would come alive inside of us, Father, that uh, you would speak to dry bones. that you would bring hope, that you would realign, Father, things that are are not in alignment, Father. So we just offer our whole lives to you as we open your word. Speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're looking at Luke 18, the parable of the persistent widow. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. 
However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Amen. Amen. Some of my favorite books have been from an author called Bob Goff. I've maybe mentioned him a few times in other talks, but he's written a book called Love Does, which I would encourage everyone to read. Just amazing stories of how to love radically in our everyday. And he speaks, uh, there's lots of little stories. Each chapter is full of stories. And it's mostly stories of Bob's life, how he's went about loving well, how he's went about trying to live more like Christ. And one chapter in the story is about Bob entering law school. So this man is a lawyer, and it speaks about the origin story of his journey. He failed his exam because all he bought was an $8 law book to a study for his law exam. And he saw everyone else had got in to law school, and he wanted to be a lawyer. So he met the dean of the college. He waited for a meeting with the dean of the college, and he said to him, I want to be a lawyer. I want to help people. That's what I feel I'm to do with my life. Uh, All you've got to do to me, all you've got to say is go buy your books. Just say that to me. And I will study to be the best lawyer that I can be. And the dean laughed him out of the office. He said, on your way, on your way, son. Uh, One week until law school starts, there was a bench outside the dean's office. Every day, Bob sat outside the office And when the dean went past, he said to him, all you've got to do is say the words. Every time he would pass him to go into meetings, all you've got to do is say the words. All you've got to do is say the words. Uh, He learned the dean's schedule. He learned when to be at the bench. He learned when he had his lunch, when he had his toilet breaks, when he had his meetings, when he went home, when he arrived. All you've got to do is, all you've got to say is buy the books. And he got to the day of the law school. He was excited. He thought, this is the day. And the dean walks past him and ignores him completely, doesn't even acknowledge him. Day one, day two, day three, day four, thinking, you know, he's thinking at this point, all the stuff he's got to catch up on, they're already ahead of me. Day five, the dean's schedule has a sudden interruption, and he walks towards him, he towers over him, and he winks, and he says, go and buy your books. Go and buy your books. Such a great story. It's a true story, and he enters into law school. And uh, off the back of that story, the book has a great couple of lines where it says this. Maybe there are times where we think a door has been closed, and instead of misinterpreting the circumstances, God wants us to kick it down, or perhaps sit outside it long enough until someone tells us we can come in. Don't need to go, uh, we don't need to go far to hear of stories of persistence in all shapes and forms uh, outside, in the outside world. I think of The Brownlee brothers, do you remember the Brownlee brothers uh, running, I think it was some sort of marathon race, and one of them gets, he was leading, I think, at the time, and you could see him just white as a sheet, turning to rubber, and he looks like, and his brother comes alongside him, gets him to the finish line, and not only that, he pushes him over, I don't know if you remember the clip, but at the end, he makes sure he goes first, and he kind of tumbles over into a heap, I think of that, he wasn't giving up. Or I think of our two eldest boys with a constant cry of, we want biscuits. We want something to eat. They're just constantly hungry. We want something to eat. We want something to eat. When every other distraction tactic fails, we want something to eat. The persistent in that, persistence in that. And the humble custard cream, I thank the Lord for that. For 10 minutes of quiet and recharging batteries. 
An elderly lady was once asked by a young man who had grown weary in the fight whether he ought to give up. I am beaten every time, he said. I feel I must give up. The lady replied, did you ever notice, smiling into the troubled face, that when the Lord told the discouraged fishermen to cast their nets again, it was right on the same old spot where they had been fishing all night and had caught nothing. Persistence in our walks with Jesus is so, so important. If a judge who didn't care brought about breakthrough, how much more will God, who loves us? To be a salt and light people, we are to be a persistent people in prayer. We are to be a persistent people in seeking justice. And we are to be a persistent people who don't give up on people when other people do. We're to be a persistent people who don't give up on what God has spoken over our lives. We don't give up on fighting for God's breakthrough over situations that are breaking us. We take it to the Lord in prayer. That's the fight moment. That's the battle moment where we can easily feel like giving up, admitting defeat on. And this is, I feel this morning is a morning where we're to remember, a reminder, don't give up. Don't give up. We were singing those words even when I don't see it or feel it. I've got to be honest, this week I haven't been feeling it. But I trust in the Lord. I trust in his goodness. I cling on to that. Don't give up. I want to look at the judge very briefly this morning. And I want to then look at the widow and her persistence as a reminder for us to not give up praying. To not give up seeking justice. So firstly, the judge... If we look at the judge in this parable that Jesus has told, we see a couple of things that I just want to highlight very quickly. We see a, he's on a me mission. Do you remember the movie Finding Nemo? Does anyone remember that movie? Yes. Brilliant movie. Uh, there's a scene with the birds in Finding Nemo where it gets me every time I see it. As they fight for what's around on the ground, they're flying around screaming and they're going, you can see it on YouTube, but they're just going, mine, 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 mine. Never has Disney nailed a picture of the selfish human condition better than this little scene. Each bird is on a me mission. And we see the judge in verse 2, not fearing what God or other people thought. And in this time, Rome would appoint local magistrates and village judges uh, to look after the interests of Caesar. And they were the worst of all. They were lacking in morals. They had big salaries. And they'd become a judge because they loved the status and the money and not the justice. And it's baffling. A judge is meant to give justice according to the law of God and the needs of people. And he was doing neither. He was on a me mission. There was no salt or light living with the judge. Everything came back to him. What do I get in return? Also, the judge can't see the struggle in this parable. He can't see the struggle. Because he's living in this space, he can't see the struggle and need of the widow. And actually, he can't see the power he holds to bring the solution. In verse 4, we read, For some time he refused. For some time he refused. So just to, to bring a bit of context, 
commentators stress the absolute lostness that this widow would have been in. Her husband has passed away. Uh, she had no other man in her life to represent her. So she was appealing to the judge. She was appealing to this person for breakthrough. She had no one else to plead her case. And according to Jewish law, widows deserve special protection under the justice system. So you read in Deuteronomy chapter 10 around, uh, a bit more around that. And that alone should be obvious to the judge, but it doesn't even touch his heart. And as we see the lostness of the widow in her predicament, I think we also see the lostness of the judge. She is desperate, deprived, lowly, unknown, unloved, powerless. But what a sorry state the judge is. And he has a job that can bring hope. He has a job that can change lives, bring justice, but he can't see the struggles. I've been thinking a lot, a little, I've been thinking a lot about that with the judge not being able to see the struggles as I've read this passage. And although the passage is around persistence in prayer, it just irks me that the judge had everything in his hands to help this widow and didn't. And you know, salt and light people see the struggles and step in. That's who we're called to be. When we see a struggle, we step in. And it reminded me of last summer when we were on our way on our summer holiday. They were driving on holiday, a busy motorway. Uh, can't remember the name of the motorway. It was down to England. What's the main? A9, the A9. We're on the A9. Yes, we're on the A9, four lanes. I was speaking the other week at another church, and I said, you know how you know you're called somewhere? I know how I'm called to Highlands because I can't cope with four-lane traffic. It stressed me out. I was like, this is not the place for me. Bring me back to the Longman. Bring me back to, <laughs> bring me back to inches roundabout any day. Anyway. I'm called to the Highlands. That's how I know. That's how I know. Driving on this four-lane motorway, doing about 70 miles an hour, car dies, literally dies. Hazard lights on. I said to Mary, cars died. Mary goes, ha, 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 you're so funny. No, cars died. <laughs> Try and negotiate our way into the left-hand side of the lane. It get to a, a lay-by. I'm like freaking out. I'm like, oh my goodness, there's like lorries zooming past us. Managed to get an AA guy to recover us to a garage. And the garage guy just didn't care. We got him right at 15 minutes to closing time. We had the three boys in the car. Daniel was tiny at the time. He was like bawling. So we're all, the boys were wanting to go out and explore. And this guy said, hmm, be about 10 days before we can fix the thing in the car. Okay, we're only on holiday for seven. <laughs> so anyway, Mary gets on the phone. She's like, love, you look after the boys. I'm going for a walk. And she like, just prays. She's like praying in tongues and, and Googling at the same time and finds a garage two miles away. And we have our faith restored with this guy in Lockerbie. Uh, he opened late to get our car in. He recommended a place for us to stay for the night. And he had us on the road for 10 a.m. the next day. Yay! And we managed to have a summer holiday. I hazard a guess that he kind of knew, he, was, uh, he had a young family, he kind of knew and maybe had broken down before. He knew what it felt like. He'd been there. And loads, uh, loads of other people drove past us when we broke down or there was people in the lay-by that stopped next that didn't have a thought. Think about when you break down sometimes, the amount of people who pass you 
I've had as well when I've broken down and people just zoom past you. I want to be able to see the struggles. I want this church to be able to see the struggles and not step away from that or give up on that. I want us to get alongside and see if there's anything that we can do. We all have all struggled at some point. We all have struggles. And we must, as people who love Jesus, love people too. There's no disconnect there. Salt and light living keeps that at the top. And often our stories, the things that we go through, are used to bring breakthrough and, and hope to other people and comfort to other people. The judge never had it. The judge never seen it. The judge never felt it. And we know that from the very first verse in chapter 18. He never gave God a thought or cared for people. And also the judge had to be severely stretched to bring the solution. And then we'll get on to the widow. So it says in verse 4, for some time he refused and then eventually breakthrough for this widow comes. Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. My initial reaction to this is, wow, it took to the point of you nearly being beaten up for you to act. But then as you look a bit deeper into the passage, you, you look and you ask the question, is it a physical beating? Is it that kind of language in the passage? The Greek verb, excuse, excuse my pronunciation, is hypopiozine, and it's a boxing term, and it depicts a face swollen and discolored by blows. The NIV translates the expression more literally than necessary. It says, lest she eventually come and attack me. The judge surely has little to fear physically from this woman, but he's learned to fear her persistence, which metaphorically at least leaves him battered and bruised. So it's her persistence, and I think it's highly unlikely it would have been for fear of physical retribution. It would have been not because she was going to physically attack but I think it's a picture that's being painted that is relentless. It's knocking the stuffing out of him. And his reluctance will do more harm than good in a professional, reputational kind of sense. In a public arena, it would be known that he didn't help this widow. And I think what's striking to land on as we read these couple of verses is the judge didn't have a heart shift. It was fear of harm that led him to act. Harm of reputation. He still didn't care for God, didn't care what people thought. He still can't see the struggle until something impacts him, then he would act. So it's a challenge in all sorts of ways for us that when we see something, when we know what the need is, when we see the solution, we don't delay. We quicken the action and we go. And then we see the widow. She didn't accept the situation she found herself in. In this parable around persistence in prayer, verse 3, a widow in a town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. This widow is saying, this present reality I am facing, I'm not accepting this as my future. Kept coming with the plea, kept talking it to the judge, taking it to the judge. How much more? Will a loving and holy father give what is right to his children? I want to ask us, do we keep coming with the plea? Do we keep coming with the plea? We don't worship a God who desires us to live set up camp in the weeds 
of injustice and spaces that aren't good in our lives. And it's tragic when we accept that in our lives or hear other people having an air of acceptance of something that's not of God, but we're journeying with or we're living with. That is not the God that we worship. The NIV says she kept going. The message version says she kept after him. Always had him in our sights. Just like Bob Goff getting into law school, he knew the dean's every move. He was going to be a lawyer. The widow was going to get justice. And I feel there's a word there about going again with the plea. Going again with the plea. What have we accepted that we need to bring to God afresh to contend in prayer? Maybe it's family members who have drifted from Jesus. Maybe it's friends who are ill. Maybe it's a job that doesn't bring the same joy anymore. Maybe it's an illness that we have. Maybe it's our marriage that feels a bit broken. Maybe it's an addiction that is just a constant cycle that we struggle with. Maybe it's making do with making do. Maybe it's our very relationship with Jesus. Let's not accept, but let's invite God in afresh and let's go again with the plea to him. And then we see persistence brings growth. As I read and enter into this parable that Jesus is sharing, I believe something was happening as the widow kept coming back to the judge. And I do think it was more than her just being present. There's little in the passage that suggests that, but I just feel something in that. And how I validate that is that when I am persisting in prayer for something, when I am persisting in prayer for someone, when I'm going to God regularly and in faith, I know that something's growing in me. I know that something, my faith rises in those moments. I feel closer to the Father. And in verse 5, we read, she won't eventually come and attack me. And her persisting, it was no longer manageable for the judge. Just picture that, a lowly widow, and nobody was proving too much for the rich, self-centered judge. You know, sometimes we don't understand why there is a delay in God answering prayers and breakthrough in situations, and sometimes they don't come, and we'll never know until we get to heaven, and that's really hard. And we know, and I know, that most of us carry the mysteries of that. Uh, but I know in those moments of choosing to pursue God, when we are longing for Him to move, there's a closeness and an intimacy in our relationship with Him that forms a deep-rootedness in us. There's a reliance that underpins everything else in our lives that grows in us, that He sees us at our worst, and at our realist. And things grow in our worst moments. And you know, we get to choose what grows. I just want to say that again. He sees us at our worst and realist, and things grow in our worst moments. And we get to choose what. And we see the growth in the widow in her worst moments. And I think there's trust to be learned in persistence that God knows, that God sees, that God hears, that God is near, and to get close and to trust, to trust. Pete Gregg, in his brilliant book, God on Mute, 
He, he writes this, I asked for strength that I might achieve. He made me weak that I might obey. I asked for health that I might do greater things. I was given grace that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I received nothing that I asked for, all that I hoped for. My prayer was answered. I was most blessed. My prayers for this week, as a result of looking at the judge and the widow, is that, that we would be a salt and light people around persistence in prayer. That we wouldn't give up. That we would be a salt and light people persist, around persistence and see, seeking justice and not giving up. That we would be a salt and light people in persistence for not making do, for stepping up, for helping when we see a struggle. Even the widow, oh no, that's wrong. Yeah, I'm going to close now. I withered on enough now. I was like, do I mention that? Will I? Let's just stand. Let's just stand and I'll make my mind up. Why do we pray? We do not always get immediate results when we pray. Our definition of swift justice is not the same as the Lord's. The parable of the persistent widow demonstrates effective prayer requires tenacity and faithfulness. A genuine disciple must learn that prayer never gives up and is based on absolute trust and faith in God. We can fully count on the Lord to answer when, where, and how he chooses. God expects us to keep on asking, seeking, knocking, and praying until the answers come. Disciples of Jesus are people of persistent faith. Lord, I pray that you would be depositing something of increase of faith in our hearts, Lord, to be persistent, to not give up, to trust in you to keep on keeping on, even as we sung when we don't feel it or see it, to keep on keeping on and to trust and to, to hold on to the truth that those are the formative faith-building moments. Often those are the moments where the building blocks go down. Often those are the moments when the foundations are built, when we don't see it or feel it and we trust to move in step with you when we take one step in front of the other, when we keep showing up. pray for anyone who feels like giving up this morning. Pray you just come and meet those people, those of us, and that we'd be able to just bring our realness to you, Lord.